Hey everyone, this is Ray Hilbert, your host here at Bottom Line Faith. We hope that during this time of the global pandemic that you and yours are safe and sound. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be presenting to you some of the best of episodes that we have recorded over the last few years here at Bottom Line Faith. We're doing this in order to bring you some of the best high-profile and specialized speakers to help you navigate this crisis in your leadership in the marketplace. We'll be back with you soon with some new episodes of Bottom Line Faith, but for now, we hope and pray that this episode will be of tremendous value to help you live out your faith in the marketplace. And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Well, hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert. I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith, and we'd like to welcome you back to another episode. We have a chance to interview some of the most amazing Christ followers, CEOs, business owners, executives, consultants, the occasional athlete or celebrity, and we have a conversation with them about eternal business real life, about the integration and the intersection of faith and biblical principles in the way they lead and live on a daily basis. Oh my goodness, folks, buckle up. Today, you're going to be just blown away and encouraged by our guest on the program today. We are so excited to have us uh, being joined on the phone by Jason Davis. You may not know Jason by his own name, but you're going to know some of his work. He has been in the music and entertainment business for over 20 years. He's the co-founder and president of multiple companies, including 117, the Radar Label Group, Noble Management, and Awaken Records. And in his career, he has worked with and signed such artists and help them promote their music, such as P. Diddy, Boys to Men, Jay-Z, Dolly Parton, Lone Star, and many more. He's been a part of working with Capitol Records, Sony Records, Epic, Atlantic, RCA, and on and on. Um, you are going to be amazed by the conversation that we're going to have today with Jason, and he's going to tell the story how God rescued him from the depths of the darkness of this world and has brought him to the pinnacle of faithfully following Jesus Christ. So Jason, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Thanks for having me. As someone who's had a very long and storied career in the entertainment industry, would you just take us back to the beginning of your faith journey? How did you come to Christ? We'll, we'll get into your career and those things in just a moment, but how was it that you became a follower of Christ? Twelve years ago, I was in a hotel room in Los Angeles where I lived. I checked into a hotel room. I didn't tell anybody where I was, where I was going. I was at the very top of a mountain that I had wanted to climb um, and wanted to be the top on top of. And not to say that there was never a higher mountain out there, but it was a pretty high up mountain in, in uh, the music industry. And uh, I had everything, but I had nothing at the same time. I was so empty inside. I I was neck deep in self-centeredness, sin, and greed, and I was dishonest in business. Um, I put myself first, um, but I had tons and tons of material possessions. Um, I was making an incredible amount of money. I had a huge level of respect in the industry and uh, the industry that I wanted to be in, and 
I felt like no one loved me. I felt like I didn't have the ability. I didn't love anyone. Uh, and, you know, I had built this, in a sense, uh, castle for myself, this empire in a sense. And I had to maintain it, which was unbelievably stressful financially. Hmm. And uh, so the stress of how much incredible amounts of money I had to make every year, um, the the corner I had put myself in, I wanted to show people that I was not a loser or a failure, which is a seed that had been planted in me as a kid. Hmm. And I I, uh, wanted to show people that I was somebody and that I had value. And, um, you know, the enemy used my lack of wisdom and lack of knowledge to basically, you know, attempt to find love and acceptance from people in all the wrong ways. And I just, uh, I was tired. I was spent. I was burned out. I was stressed out. The money didn't do anything to fulfill, you know, didn't heal any of the childhood wounds I still had and hadn't dealt with. And I was in a hotel room ready to kill myself and a series of miracles happened and I got radically saved. Um, I mean, very radically. My mom and dad are Jewish. Um, They were, they were, you know, I don't want to say they were atheists, but they did not really, didn't really give God a lot of attention in their lives. And uh, so I uh, never really knew of Jesus. I I never read the Bible. And uh, basically it was just somebody asked me if I knew Jesus. And that's all it was. Somebody asked me if I knew who Jesus Christ was. And they asked me if I ever ever read the Bible. And um, I cracked open a Bible for the first time in my life 12 years ago. I'm 45 now. So that was when I was 33. And um, God has uh, 180 degrees changed my life. He changed my thoughts. He changed my heart uh, for people, my ability to care about people and love people. And, um, but that, that, that was the beginning of it about 12 years ago. So if I'm, if I'm tracking Jason, if I'm following, you're in a hotel room, you're on top of the world. You've got everything that everybody thinks is important. You've got power, you've got possessions, prestige, influence, all those things. And you're empty and broken inside. Yes. And I would say on the extreme, on both ends of what you said, I mean, I, I really had a lot. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, I had living assistants, I had offices, I had staff, I had, you know, I mean, I, I had a lot. And, uh, and, I, and, th- and thank God I still have a lot. It just, today, it just, it just feels, it's just so different. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so rich in love with what I have today. And uh, it was so empty and cold and uh, cutthroat um, and void of, any warmth or love with what I had before. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, our primary audience, these are Christ followers who are business owners, they're business leaders, they're high-capacity people with great influence. Um, Some would experience and enjoy some of the same wealth that you're describing. But I'd like you, just for a moment, if you would, I I want to go back to that point in your life. What were those, what are those voices? What are those messages that you were receiving that, that was just speaking so clearly to you that helped you come to understand that 
where you were and what you had was not the answer? You may not have known at that exact moment that Jesus was the answer, but but take us back. What, what were those voices? What were those things that were setting themselves up against you that caused you to come to your breaking point? Um, I, I had a financial goal that I had to meet a year uh, to cover the massive nut I had for me and my staff and, yep. and uh, my, my, my life. And, uh, and, uh, I, we weren't really me and the company I had, we weren't really set up too well to take much of a financial hit. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say I was living right at my means, but I was living real close to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there was a, uh, a lawyer that joined our company. Um, and he was, you know, I don't know, he was probably in his forties experienced lawyer joined our company and one of my partners called me one day and said that um, he had broken into his office and started stealing our clients' data. And um, this lawyer was literally trying to take over our company um, while working for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know that. And we removed him and we got him to eventually stop. Um, but there was a, a six-month window where we were getting real rattled and I was spending so much time trying to defend against what he was doing. And it kind of rocked our financial year a little bit where we took enough of a hit financially that I was just under a tremendous amount of pressure. And, um, and I, I felt the ground beneath me showing cracks and uh, felt felt like it was crumbling. And you know, when you're when you have something a machine that that's that's that big, um, you know, Teddy Jenry from the country group Alabama said, you know, the higher horse you're on, the the the, the farther the harder you hit the ground and the more you fall. And uh, so I got those cracks underneath my feet. I felt like we were on the border where we could really take a big hit and fall. And I think that pressure along with just realizing that, like I was sitting on my balcony in Los Angeles one day. It was the day before I checked into the hotel room. And it was the first time in my life, in my adult life, that there was nothing left that I wanted to buy. Huh. And I, I, I didn't realize that I was always distracting myself from like my inner pain and brokenness yeah, and the void that was in me, the void of love that was in me. And so I would always like, you know, I'd always want that watch or I'd want that car, you know, I'd get the car and then I'd see a nicer car. And it was always chasing after, you know, a bigger house. Um, now the house has to get redone, you know, like I don't want normal furniture. I, I saw that furniture store that has, that exotic furniture in it. And it was always chasing after materialism um, or chasing after a goal. And I was sitting on my balcony one day and I was thinking, actually I had this thought of like, what, what do I want? I want to go buy something. I'm just in the mood to go buy something. And I literally couldn't think of anything. I mean, there wasn't, I had the nicest TVs you could ever buy. I had the nicest furniture. I had the nicest house. I, I loved my cars and, and and it was almost like God checkmated me. And said, okay, there, and there was really not, I don't want to say there was nothing left to accomplish in business, Yeah. but I, I kind of reached what I wanted to reach. And I was in a maintaining the success mode. And uh, it was the first time in my life where I didn't even know I was having a conversation with God, but God was like, 
So I, I gave you everything you wanted. How, how, how is it working out for you? How do you feel? So God and, sounds uh, a lot like Dr. Phil. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. At that moment. I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is fascinating. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just so, it was the first time that I really had to look inside of myself and just be like, I've got everything. Like I've got everything. And I'm, I'm so unbelievably miserable. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, like the, like, and, and I was also married, like at the time, like me and my wife at the time were both atheists. We were both non-believers. And like we were, we we were only married a year and a half. We were sleeping in separate bedrooms. Um, I mean, it, it was like my house was like the most gorgeous icebox you could ever see. Wow. I, I didn't even want to come home at night from work because it was so uncomfortable walking through my front door. And I knew that my life was falling apart. I was gonna, I was probably gonna get divorced. That you know, my business was taking a hit. And I was like, man, if this is the reward, if this is the payoff for literally killing myself for the last 10, 15 years of my life, and then if this, if this is all there is, if this is literally what the top of the mountain has to offer, I know what the valley has to offer. And it was terrible when I, when I had nothing. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, and, and that's what led me to, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to check into a hotel room tomorrow and kill myself. Whoa. Did, did you make it that far? Did you make it to like the moment of that decision in the hotel room or did the Holy Spirit somehow intercept you before that exact decision point? Sounds like you were in the hotel room, but take us to that moment. Yeah. So I went out uh, the next day. I very casual. I didn't tell anybody. I went to, uh, I think like a CVS or something. I bought three bottles of sleeping pills. I figured three bottles would do it. Yeah. And uh, I checked myself into a gorgeous hotel suite um, in Marina del Rey, California, right across the street from where I lived. And uh, I was, I spent about an hour in the hotel room, on the balcony of the hotel room, looking out on the marina, crying my eyes out, you know, my whole life flashing like a movie before yeah, me, yeah, yeah. realizing that this is the end. And I went into the hotel suite to... And I sat on the bed. I started opening up the first bottle of sleeping pills and my phone rang and it was my ex-partner at the time. And seeing somebody's name that I knew yeah. on my phone made me feel comforted in that moment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I answered the phone not to tell him what I was doing yeah. just because it made me feel comforted. Yeah. And, uh, and so I answered the call and there had been a guy in the rock world that worked with rock bands that I had wanted to partner with for about three years. And, um, this guy didn't have much interest in partnering with us, but I really felt like if he did partner with us, like we could, we could go to another level. And, uh, he, like I answered the phone and, and my partner said, Hey, I just got a call from that guy saying that he, he decided after three years he wants to partner with us. He's going to be in Los Angeles tomorrow. I'm on Expedia right now. Can I buy a plane ticket? <laughs> and I instinctually said yes. Um, and then I hung up the phone. I said, okay, now what am I going to do? Oh, my I, goodness. I, mean, I, I can't have my partner fly out here, and he flies into a mess. Like. And, and I didn't want to take away the idea of my partner maybe being able to have a new partnership. Yeah. So 
I kind of more checked out for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, just because I didn't want to like blow up a potential partner, I figured, you know, I'll let, I'll, we'll all meet, we'll decide to partner, and then I'll come back in, you know, the next day and kill myself. Yeah, um, yeah. And so at that meeting, this guy looked at me, and I was 33 years old. No one had ever asked me this question before. I was, you know, again, born and raised Jewish. And, and d- during that lunch meeting, he looked at me and asked me, just said, Jason, can I ask you a question? I said, yes. He said, do you know Jesus Christ? Now, wait, who, who asked you that question? It, it, it was the guy that we had wanted to partner oh with. Oh, my goodness. Really? Oh, yeah. Incredible. Go ahead. Yeah. And I said, I said, uh, no, no, I don't. But what would you like to tell me about? What would you like to share with me about Jesus Christ? Because I've always been a seeker. I've always been open. I mean, if you tell me, if you told me in the past, not now, but if you told me in the past that a crystal had power, yeah, I, I would want to grab the crystal, and and I did, and I never felt anything. And so, I, I've I've always been very open. I always try to listen to people. So I said, sure, t- tell me what you want. And he said, well, let me ask you one more question before that. Have you ever read the Bible? And at that point, I had read almost every self-help book on the planet. And I, nothing ever changed for me. And um, so I found that to be a thought-provoking question. I answered, no, I haven't. Because, uh, you know, generally Jewish people in America don't read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so uh, he said, can I share some things that's in the Bible with you? I said, sure. And he started throwing scriptures at me. And it was kind of like spiritually, like I was in a boxing ring with Mike Tyson. And (laughs) he was just like one after another, like hitting me with these scriptures. And every time he would say a scripture, I'd be like, that's profound. Like that's in the Bible. Like that's deep like and then i would ask him like does that mean what i think it like does that mean this and i would say what i thought i meant and he'd say yes and and i said to him i said where can you go and get like where can you get a bible and so the next day we went out and uh he came with me we went and bought a bible and uh that night for the first time ever when i went to sleep i i turned on my light and i cracked open a bible for the first time and I found myself in a room. This is actually very interesting. When I was a kid, all throughout my teenage years, because my dad was an amazing, amazing, amazing man. Very successful, sweetheart, loved me. But he didn't know God at all. And he came from a lot of brokenness. And so he was doing some things in his life that opened up doors in our household to to demonic Mm -hmm. activity. So I have felt, whether it's in the dark or after a scary movie or being a kid, being alone in a room, I have felt the presence of what felt like a ghost, mm-hmm. which, now, which now I know is a demon. Yeah. And that's the only experience I ever felt when I knew I was not in the room alone. This, this time when I opened up the Bible... What really hit me so hard was not so much the words on the page. It was actually, as I was reading the words on the page, I felt a ghost in my room. Mm -hmm. But this ghost was warm and loving, and I wanted it to be in the room. (laughs) 
and I and I didn't I wasn't asking it to go away because I was scared. I felt loved. I felt I knew whatever was in the room was looking at me. And I started crying my eyes out. And for the first time in my life, started speaking out loud in a room by myself to God. And started telling him that I loved him. I started, you know, apologizing for what felt like about 700 things I had done wrong in my life. And uh, that day I first cracked open a Bible, that night I first cracked open a Bible, was the beginning of my relationship with God. And it's, it's, and I'm almost beyond words because this is incredible. And part of I'm, I've got so many things I want to ask you. I'm glad we have a few more minutes here. But I want sure. so the gentleman that that you was a potential partner was in the rock and roll business. Is that did I have that correctly? Yes. And so I want to just put a segue here, kind of a tie-in, because what we're about here at this program at Bottom Line Faith is helping to encourage people to live out their faith in their business, in their career, in the workplace. And I, I got to admit that the first place that most followers of Christ would not say someone is actively pursuing their faith in Christ would be in the rock and roll business. That, I'm just, that's a stereotype. But, but thank God, True. right? Thank God that he had strategically placed that individual not only in the industry, but across the table from you in that moment. I mean, that that can't be lost on you, right? I mean, I don't know how long. Oh, it's- no, I, I I knew that, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what you said before, you know, I literally, when I cracked open the bottle of pills in that hotel room, I mean, God sovereignly yeah. reached his hand into that hotel room and caused my phone to ring and rescued me. Yeah. And, um yeah, I mean, I, I feel like my feet were like touching the flames of hell, Ugh. and I was delivered right out of it. Incredible. So, so before before we go on, what I'd like you to do, uh, Jason, is just take a moment. I want you to offer a, a word of encouragement to even if there's just one person listening to this conversation right now, and maybe they're at that moment of darkness, maybe maybe they're a follower of Christ, maybe they're not, but they're just at that point of despair and discouragement, and they've lost all hope. You've been there. You've shared that part of your journey with us in this conversation. Jason, just take a moment, and what word of encouragement, what uh, could you sh- possibly say or share to that person right now to maybe help them get out of their moment of darkness? I would say to anybody, and this is where I was, if you're in a moment of darkness, it is due to you on some level following man. What what really God did for me was through man, the first person I'd ever met in 33 years that told me, and what the scriptures told me, basically, was don't follow man, mm-hmm. follow God. I, in that moment of my life, started following, for the first time in my 33 years, I started following God instead of man. Mm. And God led me to a place where my heart changed, my thoughts changed, my strength in life changed. Um, my ability to love people expanded. People around me started actually like really loving me. Um, 
everything changed. My business flourished. Um, nothing stayed the same. Everything grew. It was like when I was following man, it led me into winter. It led me into death. When I started following God, it was like spring came. Hmm. And the colors became brighter. My joy started flourishing. Like it, everything became alive again. And I've never gone back to winter. I've had, there's been thunderstorms. There's been a few little minor earthquakes, but I've never entered a season of my life spiritually into winter ever since I found him. Yeah. Well, praise God for that. That is amazing. And th- thank you, first of all, for uh, answering that phone call in that home hotel room 12 years ago. Thank you for oh, hearing God's call on your life. And thank you for the witness that you continue to bring to this world. And so, uh, Jason, if it'd be all right with you, I'd love to maybe just, um, now that we have a better understanding of your story, transformational story from winter to spring, as you've described, from darkness to light, I'd love to maybe talk for a few minutes, if it's okay with you, about like what work looks like for you, career, you know, um, being in the the music and the entertainment industry. What There probably isn't such thing as a typical day, but what is life like for you from a work standpoint? What do you invest your time doing? And also, how are you able to live out your faith in the midst of that? A lot of my day is focused on communicating with music artists, communicating with record labels, communicating with booking agencies, um, all wrapped around trying to either build a, a beginning career for an artist or sustain or grow a career for an artist who has already broken and had some success, whether that was success that they broke or had with me or yeah. someone else, or whatever. So it's just, it's constantly communicating at the end of the day with people and, uh, you know, trying to make product songs and records, video content, branding content that is compelling, done in uncompromised excellence. So it has as much shot as possible for the song or the record or the music to be able to travel and reach people, you know, reach the teenager in their bedroom that's getting beaten, you know, reach the teenager in their bedroom that was molested or raped or is cutting themselves or reach the Christian that's barely hanging on by a thread. Yeah. Um, Take us then um, to maybe, not names, of course, but maybe a a situation where you were working with an artist or maybe there was a record or a song that was under your stewardship and maybe you had a personal um, challenge with the lyrics, the message, the meaning, the, the context. How do you work through that? Um, as it pertains to living out your Christian faith, because every person in business, every person in the marketplace has those moments where their faith is being tested, where they're being challenged by, okay, where's the line? What's right? What's wrong? What would God have me do? Can you think of an example where your faith was kind of like really tested in this area? Yeah. When it comes to mainstream artists and and Christian artists too. Yeah. But I I can think of a few examples. I mean, there was a, a pop artist who was uh, a teenager I was working with several years ago. 
uh, mainstream artist. And uh, she had a really good song. She made a music video for it. And um, the, the video director I had led her to is a phenomenal, phenomenal music video director. And we got this really cool video back. And her parents were so excited about it. She was excited about it. The um, people at the record label I was talking to were excited about what they were seeing. But there was um, a scene in the video where some of the dancers in the video were like holding hands and showing affection to members of the same sex. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and there's no like, I mean, I love anyone who's a person yeah. I have love for. Yep. But it's not what I want to be showing young children. Yeah. Um, and I was a little surprised that the family of the teenager w- weren't a little surprised by that. Uh, they were actually excited by it, saying, hey, she's breaking rules and she's taking risks. And and uh, so I, I basically said to her and everybody involved with the project that they had two choices. They can keep what they have but I would have to remove myself from her project yeah, or they could change it. And so they changed it. Um, And, you know, there's artists that are even in the Christian industry. I mean, I'm constantly just, you know, having to teach or watch, you know, behavior, you know, just, just, you know, we're all flawed. We're all imperfect. I'm, I'm imperfect. Sure. Of course. Of course. Uh, and then, you know, there's tons of examples like that. But I, I would say that in, in general, before I knew the Lord, I didn't have much of a backbone in business. I turned a blind eye to a lot of wrong behavior. Yeah. Um, I would just ignore it. Sometimes, sadly, I would partake in it. And then uh, since I found the Lord, um, I don't turn a blind eye to poor behavior. I actually address it. And, uh if it's, if it's really against what the Lord is saying, like I just got a song back from an artist that's a signed artist who's a rock alternative artist who's not in Christian music at all. Like they're, they're mainstream and the label loves it. The songwriter's producer, she loves it. But there's a curse word in the song. And I said, you know, guys, I know, I know it feels edgy, but I just can't put that. I, I can't have teenagers sitting in their rooms listening to something. Wow that I'm a part of that has a curse word in it. I just think it's the wrong message to give from your platform. And, uh, I, I can't, I can't have that in the song. So, um, those are some examples. That, uh, thank you. That's, that's, those are excellent. And, and I'm, I've got to believe at some point it's cost you business. It's cost you opportunities to make that sort of stand. Is that, is that the case? I mean, we all face that. We have those decisions. So when I first got saved, about six months to nine months later, maybe a year later, I started becoming very outward where I was talking about it a lot. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't shut up at meetings about Jesus. And, <laughs> and there was a guy from London who owned a massive CD duplication company. Um, he, he would manufacture album, you know, CDs and mm-hmm. for, for record labels. And he was the number one CD duplication company in London. So, I mean, he was a pretty big person and it was a cool relationship to have. 
and he came into my office and he is a devout uh, Muslim. Mm-hmm. And so I had these two partners at the time, which I don't have anymore. And uh, they were Christian, but they were telling me before this meeting, like, Jason, we know how you are. Just please, we are your partners. We're begging you. Do not <laughs> like, like, do not talk about Jesus with this guy. Cause like, he is like, I mean, he is the other end of the spectrum. He's yeah. a devout Muslim. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, uh, so they actually talked to me the day before the meeting and begged me as partners not to talk about the Lord. The only problem was back then I had no ability to not talk about the Lord. So I went into the meeting and I just felt it. And I started talking about Jesus and we had this, you know, two hour meeting me and him. And he looks at me at the end of the meeting. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. He says, Jason, I want to do business with you, but I want to tell you why I want to do business with you. I said, okay, why? He goes, I want to do business with you because I know and I can see that you love God. Oh. <laughs> I was just like, wow. Like, and, and, and I'm actually very grateful that you shared the way you shared and what you shared because the way you described it was you walk into your business dealings and arrangements with your principles firmly in place. You know where your lines are, what you won't cross, and then you invite people to decide whether you're the right fit for them as opposed to the other way around of, of compromise. And and I think that's the part of the tension that we all face in business and in leadership is if we can walk into these deals that, we're, you know, whether we're in manufacturing or retail sales or service or software technology, or whatever, but if we have our boundaries in place, if we have, I once heard it said that when we have very clear principles in place, we have very few decisions we have to make, right? Because those principles are already there. So the way you walked us through that, I think was just excellent. And that is really guides what you do and what you don't do. And then you just allow people to decide whether or not you're a fit for them. Did I catch that right? Yes. And and, and also too, I, I got, re, you know, I met my wife now five months after I got saved and got remarried and it's been incredible for the last uh, 11, 12 years of my life since mm-hmm. I 12 years since I've known her. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, you know, in the beginning with my wife, when she would say something like, Jason, I don't know about that person. You should be careful. I would be like, honey, like you're overreacting. Or, <laughs> like they, they, they seem like such a nice person or, you know, I think you're being too hard on them. And, and I would, I would ignore her and I would walk into situations and get, you know, I had a few situations where I got hurt real bad in business. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm at a place where, you know, if, if, if my wife meets somebody like you, when it comes to people meeting me, I actually have a, we, we kind of, the Lord led us to a place where like, I don't even meet with people unless my wife has first talked to them. So, um, if my wife tells me I'm not supposed to do business with somebody or not supposed to meet somebody, like I, I don't it. even ask questions. Yeah. I love it. The question I'd like to ask, if you could sit across the table from the 20-year-old version of you, you're sitting across the table from the 20-year-old Jason Davis, what advice would you give to the 20-year-old you? 
I want you to get in your car right now, run to the store, and go buy yourself a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I want you to get in church, and um, and I want you to surround yourself with Christians, and uh, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that 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 you know, to me, it would just be one message, like you're not going to find it anywhere but Jesus. Yeah. That is so cool. And what that's the cry of every parent who has a teenager. That's the cry of every person who's older in life that as they can look back and say, "Wow, I really messed up." And that's part of our journey, right? But that would that would be the best advice I think you could ever give a 20-year-old. Do what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would say like, you know, the the 20-year-old me didn't know where love was found. Yeah. And I, and I wasn't even sure if love really even existed. Right, right. And to me, love is love is not a feeling. Love is commitment. And, um, you know, it's sacrifice, it's commitment. And I didn't know if anybody, my immediate family had broken up. My, you know, I felt abandoned. Yeah. So to know freedom is to know how deeply you're loved, to know that you're there's no wrong that is unforgivable that there's no road you could go down that you can't come back from. There's no slate that can't be cleaned. And to know the depths of how deeply you are loved and cherished to me is the beginning of finding freedom. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, I think the 20 year old me thought that freedom and love could be found in a girl or it could be found in, you know, having the really nice car that people, I would pull up and people might think that I'm not a loser. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, I, I, I never, it's not, you can't find it on earth apart from Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's really what we're all about here at Bottom Line Faith is helping people make that connection. So thank you for that. Well, Jason, the last question that I always ask, Every single guest on the program is what I like to refer to as my 423 question. It's based out of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, where Solomon writes these words. He says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. So, Jason, as we wrap up our conversation here, I want you to fill in the blank. What's that one above all else piece of advice that you'd like to leave our listeners with today to contemplate or to live out in their lives? So fill in the blank for us. Above all else. Uh, I mean, as a business leader <clears throat> um, or just a Christian in general, there is this picture that I heard once from somebody and it really impacted me. It was uh, something that they saw at a youth event where a pastor was teaching the youth about service and the, and the heart of serving because Jesus came as a servant and we are called to be servants. And so he put one kid up standing on a chair and he asked another kid to come and try to pull on his arm to try to pull him down. So he comes up, takes the kid that's on the chair, pulls down, and the kid very easily falls off the chair. And then he says, okay, the same kid that was on the chair, I want you to now get down on the ground and act like you are washing 
his feet, like be at his feet. And he says to the kid that pulled the other kid down, he goes, now, as he's washing your feet, try to pull him down. Hmm. And if you have a heart from the depths of your heart, if you want to serve another, they can't tear you down. And uh, they can't take you down. They can't tear you down. The God is only concerned with the depths of the heart. And uh, if the depths of the heart are to serve another human being, um, whoever that human being is, it could be somebody that works for you. It could be somebody that you're a business partner with. It could be somebody that you want to do business with. If the depths of your heart are to serve somebody and love them, you cannot be pulled down. Yeah. So that is so powerful. Thank you. I, I, I mean, it feels like uh, we just got started here, <laughs> but your story is gripping. Uh, I thank God that uh, that phone rang and your, ho- as I said a while ago, that your phone rang and that you answered it 12 years ago. And just look at what the Lord is doing in and through you. And I want to thank you for not mm-hmm. only uh, your, your um, willingness to be with us on the program today, but your obedience your influence, and I'm very grateful that God is using you as he is in the marketplace and in the music and entertainment business. So thank you for being our guest here today. Very welcome, and thank you guys for what you guys are doing for so many years as well. Well, folks, isn't it amazing, that story of Jason Davis? What a story, and how God is continuing to use Jason in the marketplace. And that's my word of encouragement to you. Sometimes I think we feel like we've got to have all the answers, we've got to have it all perfectly in place, but isn't it awesome, isn't it great that that man just asked those two simple questions? So that's my challenge, that's my encouragement to you. What if today you would ask those same two questions to somebody you don't know that you might just be the instrument, the person that God has placed to literally save their life? That's what you and I can do in the marketplace is just ask those simple questions and let the Holy Spirit take over. We sure hope you've enjoyed today's conversation. If you want more details on on this, uh, be sure to check out the show notes. That'll help you follow along. Uh, We'd also like to ask you to go online and give us reviews and positive comments. That helps boost our exposure to the program. So until next time, I am your host at Bottom Line Faith, Ray Hilbert, encouraging you to live out your faith every day in the marketplace. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes.